So, today we are starting a new series, and in some ways it's kind of a new series, and in some ways it's kind of an old series for New Hope. When we started New Hope almost exactly 13 years ago, we started out with a series on 1 Corinthians, and we rolled through 1 Corinthians at, the, at a blistering pace. It took us eight months, and uh, it really was far too quick. So this time we're going to take a little bit longer, 17 months, 75 weeks. We'll be done with 1 Corinthians at the end of August 2017, and no, I'm not joking. Now, there are a few reasons that we're doing this. Um, one is that our, our, our habit here at New Hope is actually that we tend, uh, when we preach through books, we tend, for one, we tend to preach through books, uh, and we tend to take our time doing that. Uh, one of the reasons is that, um, you know, some of these, these books, like 1 Corinthians, are, are fairly long, um, and if you buzz through them very quickly, you can, you can miss out on a lot of stuff. Um, another reason is, is uh, frankly, that by taking your time, you have the opportunity then to uh, investigate uh, more at, at a more leisurely pace the things that are being taught and to understand how they link to uh, other places in Scripture. But fundamentally, the reason we do that is that New Hope is an evangelical church, and the probably the first mark of evangelicalism is a uh, focus on the Holy Scriptures as what God has revealed to us, as uh, something that is uh, given to us that we are to treat as entirely trustworthy, that is, uh, as the old uh, catechism says, of, of supreme authority in all matters of faith and conduct, that uh, this, this word that God has given us is well worth paying that kind of attention to it, and it will repay that kind of attention. So we tend to take our time going through books, and um, we don't always do that. We, we have done things quickly, and we've done topical series in the past, and we will again, but, uh, but we're, we're doing 1 Corinthians slowly. And one of the other reasons we're doing 1 Corinthians is that 1 Corinthians is a book that is perhaps, um, I wouldn't say more than any other, but uh, more than many is helpful in in directing us to understand the nature of the church. And uh, as you know, we are planting, we are helping to plant a new church. New Hope is partnered with the diocese to help plant St. Hilda's. When we started New Hope 13 years ago, uh, we preached through 1 Corinthians, and I feel rather good about the way that effort turned out, so uh, I figured we'll try it again. Um, but the, as you see in your bulletin, the, the title of the series is Folly and Scandal. In the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul says that the message of the cross, the word of the cross, is, is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He says a little bit later that we preach the Messiah crucified. It's a stumbling block, a scandal to Jews, and it's folly to Greeks. But to those whom God has called, both Jew and Gentile, it is Messiah, the power of God, and the wisdom 
of God. For God's folly is wiser than man's wisdom. God's weakness is stronger than man's strength. And 1 Corinthians is a book that lays out the folly and the scandal of the gospel. But it also lays out the folly and the scandal of the church. The church in Corinth was a mess. It was an absolute disaster. If you read First and Second Corinthians, you find a church that none of my colleagues, frankly, would want to have to deal with. Paul is fed up with these folks. He planted that church. He is in regular communication with them, and he is not at all pleased with what he is hearing. There is an inherent folly and scandal to the gospel. You can't get away from it. But what you also have here in 1 Corinthians is a church that is acting very foolish and is scandalizing its neighbors. One of the things that we'll be looking at, one of the things we'll be thinking about is to what degree is what the church does necessarily foolish and scandalous? To what degree is there a folly and scandal to the message we proclaim and the life that we're called to live that we just can't get away from, that, that we aren't supposed to get away from, that we're, we're supposed to lean into? And to what degree is there folly and scandal that is just common that we fall into and that we need to watch out for? Maybe you know I was in uh, Israel just a, a couple months ago. Mary and I got to go on a trip with uh, with some other evangelicals, and uh, one of the hardest things about the trip was trying to figure out what I was going to bring back for Joe because I knew I wanted to get something nice for Joe, I wanted to bring him something back from the Holy Land. You know, I think I could have gotten him a nice bottle of wine from this winery. Like we went to this winery and we heard these uh, people talk about uh, peace building efforts between. Um, between settlers and uh, and uh, you know Jewish settlers and and Palestinians living there, and we all listened politely to this discussion. Then we all went and bought a bunch of wine uh, to take home with us. So I could have done that. Could have gotten him some olive oil. Uh, could have gotten him like you know a nice a nice cross or or an icon or or something like that. But I didn't do that. No, I got him this. And there's a picture on the cover of your bulletin of this. I basically got him the ugliest looking Jesus I could find. And there were a lot of ugly Jesuses, I'll tell you. There, you know, there definitely are some, if you go to some of these shops in Jerusalem, definitely are some people getting the not trying very hard award. Um, uh, This one I just thought was especially egregious. And if you look at it kind of from the right angle, it it looks like, um, for one thing, Jesus has got like one nostril in the middle and then one off to the side. Uh, But but if you look at it from the right angle, it looks like he is absolutely horrified and shocked by what you just did. Right? This is Jesus who cannot believe what you just did. And, and I got it just because it's funny, and I like the idea that Joe's going to have this stupid-looking Jesus sitting on his bookshelf um, when I get around to bring it back to him. 
But it also is like most of the silly things that I find uh, theologically pregnant. The, the truth is, God is horrified by the stupid things we do. There are plenty of things that we individually do, that our churches do, that are horrifying to God, but they're not shocking. God is not surprised when we sin. God is not surprised when our churches fail. God is not surprised when we fall down. He's disappointed, and he is horrified at the results, but the message of 1 Corinthians is that God deals with that. I was a freshman in high school when I first encountered this foolish and scandalous story. I was invited to a Young Life Club. There was a girl in my math class who said, yeah, these, we, we get together Wednesday night, we, you know, hang out and we, you know, play ping pong and then we go to McDonald's after. I mean, she could have said, we're going to go and study the tax code together and I think I would have gone with her, but... Um, But I, I, I went to this guy's house in Towson and went down in the basement and people were there playing ping pong and then they did these kind of silly games and skits and we sang some songs and, and then somebody gets up and starts talking about Jesus. And I'm like, oh, great. Oh, it's some religious thing. I just got roped into this religious thing. How, how soon can I get out of here? But... Uh, I ended up sticking around and listening, and I ended up coming back the next week, and the week after that, and the week after that, and as I look back on that, having done a bit of theological study, what, what I understand now is that really what I encountered there was the gospel and the church. I encountered a story about Jesus that made sense. I'd grown up going to church. My Friends and I used to sit in the balcony and make up dirty words to the hymns. I was really not, you know, well-connected to what was going on. And, and this is, was the kind of church where there was not a very, very strong uh, theology that was being preached. I learned a lot about the importance of nuclear disarmament, not so much about atonement. Um, but when I came to this Young Life Club, I heard this story about Jesus that made sense of... Frankly, the fact that he's treated so seriously by the church, that, that, that he's worshipped. He wasn't just you know, a really nice guy who was really nice to everybody and said really wise things and was tragically misunderstood. And so what you're supposed to do is try to be really nice and kind to everybody and wise, but you know, if you can avoid it, the you know, crucifixion thing would be something you'd want to dodge. No, what, what I encountered was this story that, that Jesus was horrified by my failure to fulfill his righteousness, but, but that he was not shocked and that he could deal with that. And in fact, by dying in my place, he'd make it possible for me to have a relationship with God, to be united with him. And not only did I hear this story that made sense about Jesus and what he did, I also encountered a community of people that was formed by this story. 
So the gospel is the story about Jesus that holds together, and the church is the community of people formed by this story. And if you want to, we can go several rounds over whether a parachurch ministry counts as a church. That's the sort of question that's very interesting to me, and I really could go hours talking about that, but I won't. What I did encounter was God's people gathered together, listening to his word, worshiping him, and doing so in a way that invited people who didn't know him to come and see, to hear this story and to encounter the gospel both in this story that was proclaimed but also in this community that was formed by it. And so what we find in 1 Corinthians is this, this story, God's, the story of God's grace, the gospel is preached in 1 Corinthians and we will we will be preaching that, but we also find a deeply imperfect community that has been formed by this story. We find a community that is seriously messed up. And so the challenge for me as I'm seeking to plant St. Hilda's to start this new congregation is to try to establish it solidly on this word that is preached and and to try to think about how do we initially fund our imaginations about the church. As we think about what this new church is going to be, what are some things that we can look at that enable us to think about how that could be good? And then what are some things that we can look at that would enable us to say, whatever we do, we don't want to do that? Thirteen years ago, we did that with First Corinthians at New Hope, and as I said, I'm rather pleased with how that turned out. So that's why we're doing that. Now, some of you may feel like you're being gypped and that you heard all this 13 years ago. Why do you have to sit through it again? My, my hope is that there will be some things that are new or fresh. My hope is also that... Um, that we will have grown somewhat in our understanding of these things in the last 13 years. But if you really want to, we do have in the library the whole set of all the old sermons. <clears throat> if, uh, if, and those are always there for anybody suffering with insomnia. Now we download them, uh, but we actually put them all on CDs, so you can, you can check those out there. I hope not. I hope it won't be the exact same sermon. I don't know, I, and I've been bouncing back and forth, like, should I listen to the sermon before I preach, or should I afterward go back and listen to see what I said, you know, 13 years ago? Uh, probably the latter. Um, it's, I mean, it's horrifying enough to listen to what you just did, but to listen to what you did 13 years ago is, is pretty tough. Uh, the, but, but we're going to do this, because this is the sort of thing we do, and... Um, and what I'm especially excited about is that, is that in starting this new Episcopal church, you know, the, the Episcopal church generally has these readings. They have these lections. So you have this, this table that says what your reading, prescribed readings are for each Sunday. And we're going to do those at St. Hilda's. If you come early at the 8 or if you stay after for the 11 o'clock, you know, you'll, you'll hear we'll read those during the service. Uh, but they don't usually kind of go through a book and take a long time with it. So we're going we're gonna to bring something of that. Uh, from New Hope to St. Hilda's. 
But my, my hope with this is whenever we open up the Word is that we would allow it to we allow it to cut us deep. The fact is, as we read about this messed up church in Corinth, we will no doubt see things that look uncomfortably similar. We will, I hope, be encouraged to see things that we have managed to avoid in the last 13 years at New Hope. But I'm sure we will also see things that will serve as warnings to us. I pray we will be attentive to what the Spirit is saying through His Word. And I pray that as we read this together, as we study this, not just by showing up on Sunday morning, but as we talk about this in our house churches, and as we talk about this in, in uh, the conversations and in the relationships we have, that this would provide resources for us to do the kind of thinking and the kind of praying and the kind of living that God's calling us to do. We want to establish this new church, St. Hilda's, firmly in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we want New Hope to continue to be firmly established in the council, on the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be the church in a way that honors God, not least by recognizing the ways that churches and people can tend to fail to do that, and by looking at how we avoid that. So, 75 weeks from now, we'll see how we did. You pray with me. Lord God, we thank you for your word, your word that is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword that, that just cuts right to the heart of who we are. Lord, I, I'm so grateful that you love us enough that you don't let us off the hook. You don't candy coat things when we need to hear it straight. Thank you for the power and the wisdom of the gospel. I pray that we would be attentive, we'd be tuned in to what your spirit is saying to your church. We pray that this would be to your glory. In Christ's name. Amen.